Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And Casey is a bit sad uh, because, of course... Our beloved Purdue Boilermakers went into East Lansing. That's not why lost. I'm sad, Levin. Well, hold on. And they lost 68 to 65 and now no longer really control their own destiny uh, for a, a outright Big Ten title. Uh, but why are you sad then if not basketball reasons? No, it's basketball reasons, but it, it's Purdue discourse. It's I'm over it. It's dumb. They do it every freaking game that we lose. Oh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm just tired. It's so... Be specific. Name names. (laughs) No, don't name names. Everyone on my Twitter feed. Everyone in our group chat besides like three people. Oh, you mean Twitter is bad? This is the first I'm hearing of that. Twitter bad. Hammer and Real staff bad. We're all bad. All of it. That's true. It's just, you know, we're, we're 24 and 5. We've lost to Rutgers on the road. Wisconsin at home, Indiana on the road, Michigan on the road, Michigan State on the road. What loss are you embarrassed by? What I don't understand. None of them. None of them. I, I, I will say. The games themselves, sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you maybe look at, like, the whole of a game, you're like, man, we played like garbage. But at the end of the day, Purdue's been blown out a total of one time. Uh, and that was a Michigan game where Purdue just could not get anything together on offense. Uh, and Michigan was hitting everything. But. I will agree with you because I was running the Hammer and Rails Twitter account during the game. Uh, I had to catch up uh, because even though the game was at noon, uh, my son decided at like 11:55 he's like, "Let's go on a bike ride." You know, he doesn't really oh, speak no. in full doesn't really speak in full sentences, so it was more like he walked over to his bike and like pushed it to the door. Uh, so we went on a bike ride for like 45, 50 minutes. Came back and I I caught up live to the game with about like. I think maybe the five or six minute mark Lucky uh, left left in the second half. So uh, as I finally logged into Twitter to throw something up for the site, 
uh, it was just nothing but nothing but trash, nothing but chaos. And at the end of the game, I mean, I sent these to you in our our chat about the podcast. We had people calling for Painter to be fired. Yeah. Uh, what are you talking about? We are ranked number four in the nation. And yes, I know we just lost. And yes, I know it was a high pressure game that everybody wanted Purdue to win, myself included. But we're ranked number four. As you said, we have five losses on the season. What what sort of neighborhood did these people live in where they're they're asking for the coach to be fired? It's And it's not just fans, to be fair. You've got media. I watched, what, what was the poll? CBS poll, Gary Parrish oh, yeah, dropped the, us the 25 and seven, one. six spots or something because yeah. we're nine and two, I guess, in our last 11 games. So Yeah, he dropped us down to, I think, 10th. Even though the top six teams, Ledman, historic day, top six teams, seven out of the top 10, all lost today. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. And he drops Purdue five points. It's like, what What are we, are we playing whose line here? Uh, it's, points don't matter. The losses say up. everything and the points don't matter. So yeah, I mean, is that what to, we're doing? To illustrate your point, yesterday teams ranked one, two, three, four, five, six, and nine all lost, and I believe every single one of those games was on the road. Like every single the single one of the ranked teams was on the road uh, and lost. So it's bias it, confirmation, right? Well, what bias specifically that Purdue fans think we can't win at all and we're gonna fall on our face? So when we yes. lose a game, okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, you you have been, and we've said this on the podcast, you've been higher on this team uh, throughout the year than I have, and I don't know if it, it is my Purdue bias, you know, like waiting for the other shoe to drop, or I just don't feel like we have, I mean, we have Jaden Ivey, um, but he, he can be inconsistent, and I know in March guard play is such a key that I just don't know if we have the guards to go all the way in March, like I feel like a lot of the fans are banking on, and I think... We, I mean, I, I hate to justify the the negative tweets and the fire painter stuff, don't but you. Don't no, mean, well, don't. listen, there's just this feeling. You get close to that ledge, I'm kicking you off it. That's fine, that's fine. We'll just end the podcast right there. Be the last episode. <laughs> uh, there's just this feeling that in the last, and I'll say, dozen years, that Purdue has been in this situation, you know, three times, and something has happened each and every time. Um, you know, there's the the baby boilers when Hummel got hurt. There was the team with Haas when he broke his elbow, and then there's the Carson Edwards team who gets the Elite Eight and loses in one of the most ridiculous ways I've ever seen after a historic tournament by Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. Yeah. And there's just a feeling that it's going to happen again, and we just don't know when and we just don't know where, but – it's we've just we've built up a traumatic relationship with Purdue Sports and we're just waiting on something bad to happen. Yeah, I just think you have to admit that that's it. No, I, you I can mean, believe I, I those fully things. Admit, I, I fully admit it. For me, that's what it is. People think there's logic behind them believing that. And there's not that you play that Virginia game and get to that last free throw. Oh, my God. A hundred times. That's the one way we lose. Yeah. The it's, one out I of a hundred. So many things went wrong. It was it's just the Haas elbow thing. Uh, yeah. If he doesn't get injured, we beat that Texas Tech team because their biggest guy was like six, eight. That was a yeah. good team. But like Haas... yeah, very good team. But we we were a matchup nightmare for them if Haas plays. Right. And then the Hummel stuff, you know, it happens. It, what's weird is right now during this season, we are 24 and five or whatever I said. And yeah, you're right. 24 and five. It just seems that we're losing at the worst narrative time. Yes. Not. Not anything else. This hurts. If if your one goal is to win the Big Ten and win it outright, obviously this hurts because Purdue alone could control that. But what hurts is in a week where we could have both 
entirely taken over the Big Ten and been the only team in the top six to win. It's right. It's just like how we lost the Rutgers on the road. Right. Just after being ranked number one with the easiest the part first, of our schedule coming up. Yeah. For the first time in program history, being ranked number one and then suddenly banana peel. Right. Uh, having the chance to go in, like you said, control our own destiny in the conference. And, you know, we didn't know this at the time, of course, but so many other teams in the top 10 lose. It would have made us look even better. Exactly. We might be number one right now. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily change who we are as a program, but no. as you said, narratively, it makes a difference because even even though the, the people who vote in these polls, they look at statistics, they look at maybe metrics, and the people who do Selection Sunday, the selection committee, they look at metrics and they look at numbers. Ultimately, they are human beings. Mm-hmm. So these things matter, even though they may downplay it or they may you know, poo-poo it. Ultimately, what they see, the eyeball test matters to these people. And if you're a team dominating the headlines for good reasons at good times, specific times throughout the season, it can make a difference in your seating and in your ranking. Absolutely. You're 100% on. And you can add that to every loss this season, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin game mattered because we were at home. We're not supposed to lose at Mackey. Right. And it was mano a mano, the two best guards in the Big Ten. And it after that fe- after that game, it felt like, oh, well, Ivy's not really it. Johnny Davis is. Yeah, I mean, since then, you really haven't heard people talk about uh, Jaden Ivy as Big Ten Player of the right. Year or National Player of the Year as he was throughout the beginning in the mm-hmm. non-conference season. Now, I mean, it's just Johnny Davis all day, every day. Well-deserved. That dude plays Oh, absolutely. I'm not taking anything away from him. He and scares the hell out of me. And then you run into the Indiana game where this team carried the weight of nine straight wins. Yep. So it felt like more that we went to IU and lost at the last second behind, you know, and once again, each one of these games kind of has an outlier game. Yeah. Fantasy just going off after basically doing nothing all season. <laughs> and the IU game hurts as, as well for me for one additional reason. Uh, obviously, I always hate losing to IU, but the fact that it was the first game for a brand new coach. Yeah. And it just makes them think, oh, now Mike Woodson owns Matt Painter. He knows what he was doing, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, you know, they've gone down since then. But it's just anytime you can give IU fans the ammo of, oh, look how great this guy is, you know, they're going to harp on that forever. So until Painter, um, you know, can take down Woodson in hopefully this game coming up, um, they're going to, you know, pretend like Woodson is truly the Messiah and blah, blah, blah. So narratively, again, that just was at the worst possible time for Purdue. Right. And the Michigan game, you know, came off the heels of the big Illinois win mm-hmm. uh, where we looked like we were rolling, but lost in there. We're playing all these games in that short stretch and we looked like a completely different team getting blown out like that. We just don't see it made no. our defense look even worse. Yeah. Um. But and then you get to this Michigan State. game. I, I think it's very clear that we are going to struggle with teams that have tall physical wings. If for no other reason then Sasha Stefanovic has not figured that out yet. So, but before you go into into that, tell me what other teams on Purdue's schedule you think fit that bill? Coming up? Or no, 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 throughout the schedule that we've played. Uh, Rutgers, we saw it with Rutgers. Um, they're the best example because they've yeah. got, you they're, know. They're, they've, they're big everywhere, basically. Best wing defender in the country. Uh, even Michigan to a little bit. They've got big wings. Houston's big. Uh, Diabate's big. Uh, they're a big team. Michigan State's like that. I mean, we don't have any loss. The Indiana loss was real fluky. Wisconsin's Johnny Davis. But, you know, our offense struggled against Michigan State. 
because Sasha couldn't get free. Same thing with Rutgers, uh, two of his worst games of the season. And I just, I just think that if you, if you're going to find a team that is able to actually take some stuff away from us, it's going to be that kind of team. Uh, we saw Jaden Ivy struggle one-on-one more than we've probably seen him struggle all season. Yeah. Even yeah, though he, it wasn't his worst game. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, you just saw a lot of – maybe he felt a lot of pressure, felt like he had to take over this Michigan State game, but it was a lot of driving into the into the lane with three guys around him. And to his credit, I mean, he did uh, find the open man on occasion. Um, actually only wound up with one assist. I think it was to Williams. Uh, no, he they, didn't get that assist because he missed the first shot. Oh, that's right, because then Williams mm-hmm. got a rebound and put it back. That's right. So um, he, he should – Ivy, by all rights, should have two assists. but I, I mean, we were one to nine from three, so yeah. where is he getting an assist from? Well, that's fair. <laughs> no one made any shots. No. Um, it's just, it was a very frustrating game. Yes. Because it seemed like in the first half, Purdue did not play particularly well, but they still found a way to keep up with Michigan State and went into halftime down just two, which I thought was good because I thought they should have been down much more. Correct. And... We- but Purdue had only hit one three in that first half, and it was a Jaden Ivy three, um, which turned out to be the only three Purdue would hit the entire That's game. Unbelievable! We they took were nine. One, one of nine. Yeah, the like you miss shots. I understand, but Purdue didn't even take shots. Nope. Um, nine threes. Uh, I don't know what the low on the season is, but I have to imagine nine is got to be right there near the top of fewest three pointers uh, attempted by Purdue on the season. I do believe it's the lowest. Um, we lost this game because of turnovers. Michigan oh State did not play us. One one of the things that frustrates me most is people watch this game, see us lose, and go, oh, see, Purdue's defense isn't good enough. Our defense in the half court was as good as it looked. Because yeah, Michigan only, State, I mean, we only allowed, only allowed 68 points. 68 points. I think it was a 66-possession game. So not unbelievable advanced metrics-wise, but they had 17 fast break points, if not more. 17 the last time I checked. And I, I mean that's the ball game. It was seventeen to two transition baskets at one point. I think it ended pretty close to that. Uh nineteen to two fast break edge. Ugh. That's plus seventeen fast break. We had seventeen turnovers. Most of them live ball leading to easy buckets. And you... and and most of them in the second half. I mean, there was that stretch there in the second half where Purdue turned it over, I think, five possessions in a row. Yep. In like I, I mean Every different fashion you could make. That is just unheard of. Yeah, really bad. We had five turnovers from Jaden, three from Edie. Uh, Edie's I'm not going to put on him because most of those were offensive fouls that I'm sure we're going to get into. Uh, Trey had four. Uh, Eric Hunter had two turnovers. I thought Hunter played well. Uh, I I thought it was a bad Trey Williams game again, even though yeah, his stats I mean, are going to look pretty good. Defensively, for sure. Yeah, and just, I, I mean, we can't have four turnovers from him. I know a lot of two of them came late, so I guess it's yeah those those passes at the end. But I mean to to go back to the turnover issue. I mean Purdue had seven turnovers in the first half, which you don't love. But I mean Purdue wants to stay under ten turnovers in a game, so they had seven turnovers in the first half. That means they had ten turnovers in the second half, and it was probably like I said about a three four minute stretch there where they turned the ball over five times in a row. And at that point, I mean, it just felt like the game was over. Uh, it's a testament to the grit of this Purdue team that they were able to come back from that. But I don't know 
what exactly Michigan State was doing there to cause so much trouble for Purdue. Um, I mean, they seem to figure it out after that, but my goodness, you can't do that. That's just, that drought is so hard to come back from. We play casual on offense. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We play casual. Like, we're not aware that it's a live ball and they can try to take it from us. Jaden's a lot of his were trying to do stuff, getting in a bad spot and just getting it ripped from him. Not good. Don't want it especially when they can get it clean and just get away. You can't have that. You have no. to be better at that. Yeah. But a lot of the times we're just like kind of like paused thinking that the game will just happen around us instead of making stuff happen. And it, it's just these minor lapses of focus that are the big concern with our offense. And then uh, I, I think we have to talk a little bit. Painter does not have this rotation dialed in. Now say more about that. Who, who specifically are you referencing here? Well, let's see. Zero points, zero <laughs> shots, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks in 15 minutes. That's the most of any player. Not a stat line I love. In a power six to have zero stats. You are playing 15 minutes, Isaiah Thompson, and didn't go. do a damn thing. Yeah. I, I, minus nine plus or minus worst on the team. I, I didn't notice it during the game. I, I mean, did. Of course you did. But I mean... I didn't notice that he was playing particularly poorly, um, but I noticed, you know, he wasn't shooting. He wasn't hitting anything um, because if he's going to be in there and if he's going to be playing 15 minutes, we need him to at least be a threat from deep because it's shown, you know, throughout the season when he's been able to hit a couple threes, that's where his value is highest um, because he shoots the three-point ball better than Hunter does. Um what whereas Hunter obviously shows better offensive capabilities uh, on the rest of the court, but when Thompson is in there for 15 minutes, doesn't take a shot, doesn't record a stat of any type. I mean, not even a foul. Uh, it's just you wonder what is he doing, and I, I just I don't know who those minutes go to. Yeah, uh, the problem is it's more than offense. We need him to be really good on offense because he is such a liability on defense. As soon as he came on the floor, it is just high pick and rolls with Thompson's guy. Very first possession that he came in, they attacked it right away, get a wide open dunk. Because he's not big enough to guard guards. He's definitely not big enough to get switched on to anyone else. And it's not like you can see small guards that are aggressive and in your face on defense. Uh, His brother was a great one at that. He's not that. He can't stick in front of a guy. And he's that small. And... The only skill he has is shooting and he's not big enough or good enough at getting shots to make that consistent. And I, I'm sorry, like I've harped on him all season and it feels bad. I love these guys. I love these players. But if we're playing him 15 minutes in a game, we're not a final four team. Well, I would put a caveat on that. If we're playing him 15 minutes a game and he's giving us nothing. I mean, you can deal with some defensive lapses if he's going, you know, three of four from three. If, even if he's going, you know, two for four, three for six, whatever. But if you're going to come in, play 15 minutes, and as you said, he is a he is very vulnerable on defense, and teams know that, and teams will design offenses around him, uh, around attacking him, I should say. But if you're going to come in, do that, but then not reciprocate on the offensive end, I I don't know what you're you're bringing to the table. Nothing, and like you just can't play that. You can't play yeah. a liability. That brings nothing consistently. I it, It's a problem. I, I There's one way to fix it, and it appears Painter has no interest. So. Okay, and and it, I do you just mean bench him? Yes. Okay. I I You can't tell me that we wouldn't have a higher ceiling. I Give Newman another shot over, like, at least he's 
tall and can play defense in theory. Well, the only the only thing I would say to that is he played Thompson played 15 minutes. At least he did not turn the ball over. Um, I I don't know. Maybe that's the fear with Newman. Maybe Newman won't take care of the basketball. I guess. Um, but I mean, that's the that's the only way someone could come in and I, I feel like have a, less of an impact or more of a negative impact than Thompson. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a real liability and something has to be done at that position there to go back to your point about not playing. They're playing lackadaisical or what was the word you used? No urgency. Yeah, Casual. Casual. There we go. So there were at least two times uh, where Purdue was going after a rebound or a loose ball and they had it. And then just for one reason or another, didn't pay attention and kind of were going out of bounds or missed an easy pass. Um, Purdue should have had the ball, should have had possession and turned it right over to Michigan State. And on two different occasions, that resulted in an easy three point bucket for Michigan State. And it's just these little things that Purdue is not doing that result in easy opportunities for their opponent. And they're just consist Purdue's just consistently shooting themselves in the foot and giving their opponent easy opportunity after easy opportunity. Yeah, we're not a very sharp team right now, which you kinda hope we would get more of. That, yeah, that's... 20, I mean twenty nine games into the season, you would think you're you're focused on what's going on in front of you. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we miss when Sasha's not in the game and doing all the things he normally does because he brings that precision because he is a good passer because he threatens in so many areas and he doesn't normally make bad decisions. He had four assists, one turnover. He was still playmaking out there, but he was never a threat in this game. No, which is no. shocking. Uh, he had two points. Yeah. Took I mean, three threes, missed them all. And I, I mean, we survived this game. Ivy is a problem. Even when he's playing bad, gets to the hoop, makes plays. And then Zach Eady is just there. We go. I was gonna say we've we've talked a long time about yeah. this game and haven't mentioned um, Zach. Eady. So here's here's the problem with Trey. I feel like we're doing a disservice to this team sometimes not playing Eady thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, you know, he looked great. Ten of fifteen, five of seven at the line. Total of twenty five points, two blocks, um, one assist, two rebounds. Did have three turnovers, but like you said, a lot of those he he's he's getting mugged down there just about every possession. Oh my God. He got he keeps getting these fouls called on him in a shooting motion, hitting using his elbow. If I, I just don't understand. We had this whole discussion for two years how this cylinder thing is important in right. freedom of movement. But it doesn't apply if you're seven yeah. foot four in the post. Yeah, freedom freedom of movement doesn't uh doesn't apply if you reach a certain height. It's like the opposite of a roller coaster sign. And it, you must you know, you must be this tall to ride. Well, it's you must be shorter than this to be allowed freedom of movement. Yeah, and you want to know how you create an angry, unhappy, uh, just negative fan base consistently put out these big 10 referees. Yes. And at some point, like everyone wants to say, Ooh, that hook and hold. Well, you should have beat them before. Yeah. Right. They're both playing the game. One team is getting advantage. You shouldn't have to jump that hurdle as well to win. Yeah. Like that is, it didn't even get reviewed. No. What is the point of it? I mean, in addition to the hook and hold, uh, Mason Gillis got called for at least oh. two terrible calls, terrible fouls. He had and he seven rebounds out. I mean, in 17 minutes. Se- yeah, seven good. rebounds. Uh, no points, but he was out there at least – he was hustling. He was busting his ass, and he was only able to give us 17 minutes and fouled out. And at least two of those fouls, probably more if I went back and looked at each one of them, were just horrendous. And I want to be careful how I say this because – I don't want to make it sound like, you know, 
the only cause of this loss was the officials because it wasn't. Purdue turned the ball over far too much. Yep. Uh, they did not hit open three-pointers. They did not take enough three-pointers. So the loss is on Purdue. But at the same time, I just want an officiated game that is the same from moment to moment, that is the same from game to game, that is the same on both sides of the court. That's all I want. Give me give me robot officials if you have to, but whatever the whatever the Big Ten is doing with these officials, it absolutely must be discussed in the offseason. I, I can't say for sure if – other other conferences are having this same problem, but every team and every fan base agrees that the officiating in the Big Ten is worse than it has ever been. And to find agreement among 14 fan bases mm-hmm. in a conference is almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, you have teams, I guarantee you, the coaches talk to their big men and they, you be aggressive. You put your hands all over Edie early, late, in the middle when he's shooting because they're not going to yeah, call it. just hack the hell out of him. I mean, one of the fouls they called, the guy had two arm bars just set against yeah. him. Yep. You're not allowed to do that. And that that's not a tough call rules. to call. No. It's not a snap decision. It's not a super quick thing. It's you look at a guy and he has two forearms on another one. That's a foul. Yeah. I mean, they, and they talked about that one on the broadcast. Um, you know, Hummel even mentioned, he goes, well, you know, you can have one in the in the bag. That's fine. But when you put the second arm on him, that's a foul. Automatic. And and instead, for some reason, the foul got called on Edie and a turnover and suddenly Michigan State ball and you're just left scratching your head like, what else can this guy do? Yeah, it just ugly, ugly, just embarrassing. It, it's, yeah. it is a sport-wide problem, but it is definitely a Big Ten problem. And yeah. I'm excited to get to the NCAA tournament and the hell away from Big Ten officials. Yeah, let's hope we don't wind up with any of them during the, uh, during the NCAA tournament. So um, I do at least want to mention – the last possession of the game where Michigan State scored, um, you know, game tied 65 to 65. Michigan State had, I believe, just over 30 seconds on their last possession. Uh, Izzo calls a timeout with about 16 seconds left, and they run basically uh, a pick to get Williams on, uh, was it Brown? Uh, the shooter? Yeah. Uh, Tyson Walker. Oh, I was not even close. Point guard. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, to get Walker on him. And then with just a couple seconds left, it just takes a three. And I know Walker is a good three-point shooter. He's around like 48 or 52. or It's a damn good three-point percentage. I'm not taking anything away from him. But that seemed like such a strange decision. I know you're you're trying to get Trey on him because he's not the best defender. But wouldn't you think you would want to drive or, you know, maybe move the ball a bit more? I mean, it worked, so far be it for me to criticize. But No, like, no honestly, no. Because um, he knew what shot he was going to get, and he knew yeah, he but... could get it clean. No, you you drive in that late, or I, I mean, you see a lot of these step back shots because those are practice shots. And when you're playing a guy like Trey, who you know is afraid of your drive by, you yeah, are, he play, he was playing him far off. You if you can get a clean look that you know you're going to get, that's a shot you practice in the gym. And all you want is to be able to get off a shot that is your shot, and that's your shot. And he knows. Like, there's no other threat. Trey's not going to come out at him. Uh, he doesn't want to try to dribbling around Trey because the one thing Trey does pre- pretty well against guards is get to a dribble, pokes out with his long arms. That is a shot he wanted. That's the shot he sized him up for. And Trey was not even close to getting to it. So, no, that's that's a good shot. Michigan State was fine with that shot. 
Purdue probably wasn't that angry with it. That's what I was going to say. If you're uh, Purdue, you're like, okay, I mean, take a step back three. I mean, you know he's a good shooter, but still. But we were okay with it because that's the best thing that could have happened against Trey. I mean, I guess. It's not it, – it's still, like, it was a clean step back that was not at all interrupted or challenged. So, yeah. yes, it wasn't a breakdown defensively, but it was also a pretty la- pretty easy final shot. All right. Well, fine. So, so – then of then of course there was the chaos at the end with did they touch it did but I mean ultimately it didn't matter. Uh, what is Trey Trey, do? Trey, what? Trey what? was throwing Trey was throwing a bullet. A, a bullet that no one could catch. Uh, he apparently had a chat with Mason Gillis from the previous game, yeah. uh, and he's like, no no, the harder you throw it, the better it is. Yeah. Uh, and then right out of bounds, Purdue had a second opportunity with I believe point four left, yeah. bounced off of a Michigan State player's either head or back. Uh, back. And that was like it was th- it was so far behind Purdue's guy it was behind yeah, the yeah defender. he was trying to he was trying to get to Ivy and I mean I I don't even it wasn't even close so which is so strange because Williams such a great passer but yeah we got nothing there so I mean there we go uh, Purdue's thirteen to five in the conference two Do games you know what left. hurts what if Trey would have just made the first layup we would have had like four seconds <laughs> right right little little different <laughs> so uh okay well enough of that. Um, now 13 and five in the conference. No, not fun. Purdue's got two games left. Uh, next game, Hendo, Wisconsin. Uh, so we are going to take a break and, uh, take a look at that upcoming game against Wisconsin. And we are back. So Casey, I know I normally, uh, give you a question at the top of the program, but this one is related to Wisconsin. So I thought I could save it for now. Are you ready? Oh Yeah. Okay, so Purdue's next game obviously is uh, heading into Madison, Wisconsin on Tuesday the 1st, 9 p.m. tip. And if you'll recall, um, a few weeks back on this very program, uh, you asked me who I thought the best team in the conference was, and I said Wisconsin, and you were shocked, Mm -hmm. uh, and you said Illinois. So would you like to apologize? No. No? Okay. (laughs) I honestly... If I've learned anything from the last <laughs> few weeks, so none of the teams are as good as I thought they were. Well, yeah, that's fair too. Like Illinois, they've got problems. Just their size at guard, I think, in wing is an issue. Um, Wisconsin's good. They're on a four-game win streak, but uh, you know the toughest game I guess was going to Rutgers. So it's not like they've had the toughest time of it of late. Uh, I I still think they're a little limited. I I. You like certain pieces. Um... Yeah, well, that's that's my thing. I think when we had this conversation last time, I said that you, you convinced me, and I, I mean, I think you're still right, that they are limited in places, but mm-hmm. they've still got Johnny Davis and Davison, who are both can really not, I mean, Davison can't control the game so much as Davis, but uh, Johnny Davis just scares the hell out of me. If you'll recall, when uh, they came into Mackey, he had 37 points. Uh, he had fully half of Wisconsin's 74 points, and he just looked phenomenal. And he's he's looked phenomenal throughout the entire season. And now Purdue's got to go up to the Cole Center, which not as intimidating as it was, um, you know, from like 2004 to 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost a lot more there recently, but it's not going to be an easy game for Purdue. Do you want me to do you want me to commit some blasphemy on the, I would on the love podcast? It. I would love it. If you traded Sasha for Davidson. Would Purdue be better? Yes. Oh, you committed blasphemy. Well, what were you going to say? I mean, I think he would, right? Oh, well, then. Is he exactly the person that, like, Purdue needs? Like, an in-your-face guard defender? Yeah, yeah. Who can guard, you know, one through three? Yeah. And he still shoots it all right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when he when when he came into Mackey, uh, he played 38 minutes, five of 11 from the floor, including three of six from three, wound up with 15 points, three rebounds, three assists, zero turnovers. So that's a great game in a uh, very tough environment. Yeah. Um, I don't want to continue this conversation. No, I don't either. OK, uh, cool. This is kind of <laughs> this is kind of like the opposite conversation that you have with Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. Um, yeah. He shouldn't even make a first team big ten. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, moving on. Moving yeah. on. Look, I, I still stick by what I Wisconsin's the scariest team. So you're probably right that Woo-hoo! game to game, they're they're the best team, but it, and it's mostly Johnny Davis and then big guys who are pretty skilled. Yeah, and um, can shoot. Dan, Dan can shoot. That's that's what Purdue has almost always struggled with. Yeah. Tyler Wall's a lot of fun. Uh Crowell's a lot of fun. Uh it's this is gonna be hard. We're going to into Wisconsin. Wisconsin now like it, it should have been us going into this game controlling the Big Ten. Yep. Instead, it's Wisconsin. Instead, Wisconsin has everything to lose. Uh, I it, this is going to be fun because I Ivy is a bad defensive player. Yeah. Well, and my, he can be good. If no, that's the problem. Effort. No, that's but the problem. The the thing that it just annoys the hell out of me, and I know it gets to everybody, is he pouts. I mean, sure. When when. When he gets the ball taken away on offense, he hangs his head, he looks at the official, and he doesn't bust his ass to get down on defense. And, you know, you don't always see it in the frame because, you know, he's slowing, uh, slowly getting back on defense while the other team is pushing the ball. But it just annoys the hell out of me. And it's the one thing I wish he could fix. Where If, if he could just get back on defense and show the effort and athleticism and skill on defense that he does on offense, he could change the complexion of this team. That's fine. Um, he definitely does that. He doesn't know how to play defense. He, what do you, how do you get to this point in your career as, as a phenomenal college basketball player? Cause he's a freak he, athlete. Like he doesn't need to, he had two oh, of the best defensive okay. players. He had two of the best defensive plays of the season coming around curls and blocking that jump shot. And then altering the other one where he just got there out of nowhere. So and you're you're saying he doesn't know how to play defense because fundamentally he's, because he's basically relied on his athleticism to be better than everybody else. He doesn't know how to position his body. He doesn't anticipate solidly. He gambles. He goes for the ball. He doesn't. He, he hops around. He gets out of position, and you can shake him pretty quick. And he just doesn't really know how to wall you off. Uh, like. Everything Davidson does effectively, Ivy doesn't do. So here's my here's my comparison uh, for Jaden Ivy that I'm sure at least a handful of our listeners will understand. Uh, he reminds me very much of, and I'm going to compare him to a baseball player. So be ready. Uh, I know you're mm-hmm. not a huge baseball fan. Um, growing up as a as a huge Reds fan, Jaden Ivy reminds me a lot of Adam Dunn uh, from the Cincinnati Hold Reds. On. Listen, let me finish. Let me finish. So the big donkey, as he was known. Uh, was the left fielder for the Reds. Great hitter, power, I mean, power hitter, home run all the time. But it, it was either, you know, home run or strikeout or walk. You know, he wasn't really getting you many singles or doubles or triples. But on defense, the dude would just get lost at times. I mean, if, if you hit it to left field, he'd get turned around. Uh, wasn't really, I mean, he had a powerful, powerful arm, but not really accurate. So, uh, it was one of those things, just like Jaden Ivey, relied a lot on his athleticism at the plate, his strength, uh, not so great on the defensive end, and 
ultimately was a positive for the Reds, just like Ivy is a positive for Purdue. Uh, but you would certainly love to see improvement on the other end of the field or the court, depending on which player you're talking about here. And Casey is in shock right now. Yeah, inner sports. Like, first of all, aesthetically, you couldn't get any more different. Than oh, no. Adam Dunn yeah, yeah. And absolutely, Knivey. absolutely. You know, <laughs> big, tall, bulky country boy. If Dunn was bad at defense the way Ivy's bad at defense, he would just get a pop fly and run into the wall because he got there too quick. Um, oh, well, not because he got there too right. quick, but but Dunn has certainly, yes. certainly run into the wall and missed a missed a ball yeah. before. Trust me. Yeah, it's just um, he doesn't position himself well. He doesn't fight. He doesn't just. He needs to get the ball. He wants to get on offense, and he just takes, even if they're not bad gambles one at a time, he takes like five of them in a row. So he is eventually going to crap out and get in the wrong position. It's just kind of the way he plays, which is why Johnny Davis lit him up in Mackey. Those guys oh, went yeah. one-on-one. Davis yeah, and, was and, too strong for him and too fundamental. And as we said at the beginning, I mean, it was just one of those games where you felt like it was a great showcase for Ivy if he could truly kind of like shut down Johnny Davis, but also outshine him on the offensive end. And Ivy did neither. And I think it really dimmed his stars and his star in a lot of people's eyes. Eh, still no, I, five pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just mean, as far as like we talked about, he's not really being talked about as big 10 player of the year or national right. player of the year candidate anymore. Johnny Davis is, uh, but Jaden Ivy really not so much. Uh, and, I think he missed such a huge opportunity. It goes back to the idea of narrative mattering so much in college basketball. When Jaden Ivey had the opportunity, he played against the guy who he's kind of compared to. You know, they're a similar style. Davis is, of course, bigger, a little bit stronger. But Ivey got outplayed in that game, and people who vote for these awards remember that. And that has kind of stuck with them. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Wisconsin beat us entirely on the back of Johnny Davis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, he had half of their points, 37 of their 74. Wisconsin shot 6 of 24 from 3. They did pretty well on the boards. We only out-rebounded them by... About uh, 6, I think. 6, yeah. So, not great, not terrible. Um, They did, you know, they did better in turnovers than we did because everyone does. (laughs) Right. But it is a mano-a-mano game, and Ivy has to get closer to David. I... My hope is that Ivy remembers that game a lot. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to put this team, this crowd, this road atmosphere, and this is going to be his show-out game. One-on-one, him and Davis, both ends of the floor. That's I mean, do, the... you, do you think that's what Painter's going to do again on defense with Davis? Oh. Because that's my question. We saw what happened in the first game when these two matched up, and ultimately, if, if I'm remembering correctly, Ivy got moved off of him at some point. And I don't know... If you can trust Ivy to go out there and guard their best player. But but then again, I don't know who you who, put on him otherwise. We, I mean, we're not going to put Hunter on him. Not going to put Sasha on him. Not putting Sasha on him. And we can't put Gillis on him because they actually have two seven-footers. Right, right. Because Gillis would be, I said that before the first game. I thought Gillis would be an interesting guy to guard Davis since Davis relies so much on his strength. Yeah, and Gillis, a very strong guy. Very strong. Not quick enough to stay with Davis, but no. Could but maybe make you it, could bully him. Maybe you could bully him. Right. Could make it difficult in ways that would be interesting. I think we'll see Morton off the bench guarding him. That, that's a hell of an assignment for a guy who plays roughly ten to fifteen minutes a game. That's fine to say that. He played twenty minutes in the Minnesota in the Wisconsin game. That was when Newman was still playing. Right. 
Um, yeah, New- Newman had six minutes in that first time uh, these two played. Uh, only was able to register one assist, uh, missed both of his shots. Morton, I mean, that was kind of Morton's coming out game. He was really good. Four assists, six rebounds, two steals. Yeah, played 20 minutes. He's the only other guy on our roster that makes sense to throw at him. It's got to be Ivy because he's the only one athletically that can stick up with him. And, you know, Wisconsin is one of the few teams where we do have to we have to keep our bigs on their bigs. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you're not wrong in that. I think Morton is probably the only other guy who you can throw out on him because Gillis, not fast enough. First, not I just fast don't. Enough. Yeah. Again, not fast enough. And, and I mean, I, Morton is not fast enough, really, uh, compared to Johnny Morton Davis. Is, honestly, Morton's about our quickest defender. on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm it, just saying I'm just saying compared to Johnny Davis, which is a, a bad comparison for most players in college. It's, it's an outrun the bear situation. Who's the closest <laughs> that can yeah. keep up with them. And so I, I do think I do think you're right now that I put a little more thought into it, that Morton is probably going to see more minutes in this game. But uh, it's just. If Purdue loses this game, they've lost the Big Ten title. Yeah. And if Purdue loses this game, then we start to hear the narrative of, you know, maybe Purdue isn't as good as we thought. They're not going to win the Big Ten. They're slipping down in the conference standings. And then we go into the IU game, making it basically a must win if we want to stay on the two line. Yeah. Um, I don't think the two line's that dire. I think we can lose this game and still get to the Big Ten <sighs> championship game. I mean, yes, I would say if if we do that, yes, but you cannot, in my opinion, you cannot rely on Purdue doing well in the Big Ten tournament. No, you can't. I'm just saying none of these games are super do or die. I I don't know. I think we overestimate that this before before it's win or go home. Nothing is really do or die. I, I, well, yes. I mean, if you're being, you know, semantic about no, like it's here's what I'll say. I think. If Purdue loses this game against Wisconsin and they do not get to, say, the semifinals or finals of the Big Ten tournament, I think they do not get a two seed. Sure. But that's I, two loss. Yes. So, but it's, it's not just this game alone. No, no, no. But I, I think we just... guarantee a two seed if we win this game. Okay. I, I think that's fair. If we, win I, out, I, if we win this game and assume we're going to beat IU at home, we are a two seed. I, I agree. And I will say that they they've noted numerous times that selection committees do not care as much about postseason tournaments. Um, you know, the majority of the bracket is done before them, and there's just a little movement. You know, if there's a surprise or if there's a team who wasn't going to get in that wins their tournament, so there's slight movements here and there, uh, but nothing that's really going to change things so dramatically. So I agree with you that if they win the last two games, if Purdue wins the last two games, they're they're guaranteed a two seed. I will say I. Last game, really, we missed Gillis on the floor. Oh, yeah, a ton. We missed him a ton, and especially on on defense and rebounding. Especially against a team like Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Wisconsin, you know, it's it's a way different style than Michigan State. They are not, they're not, they're not going to be able to defend us the same way that Michigan State did. They, you know, you look at the first game, we were 8 of 20 from 3. Sasha struggled 1 of 5, but he had good looks. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's more important that Sasha gets those looks than when we play games where those looks are taken away from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one important thing that's different from the first game as well, uh, Eric Hunter Jr. was not playing like he was playing mm. 
like he is playing now in that first game. So he only had 19 minutes, wound up with two points. Um, so he looks like a completely different player now. So hopefully that will make a difference. But no, no matter how Purdue plays in this game, it is going to be tough because there is so much on the line for both Purdue and Wisconsin. And this is the sort of game that you can kind of look at as a preview of March because it has so much on the line. And it gives you an idea of maybe the mental toughness uh, of this Purdue team. Uh, it's never easy to go on the road in the Big Ten, and it's you know doubly hard when the team that you're playing could guarantee themselves a share, at least a share of the Big Ten if they beat you. That and when they have, you know, best player in the conference. Yeah, yep. At a position that I mean, we just talked through. Purdue doesn't have good answers. They, they don't have an answer for what Johnny Davis does. Yeah. Not not a natural. So I, it, it's we're going to need 24-plus from Ivy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's got to play better than he did in the first game, uh, no doubt. I mean, he was a three of nine. He got six of his 14 points from the free throw line. Um, so he's got to be able to to make an impact against Johnny Davis. It'd be nice if his jump shot came back. He hit the yeah. early one against Michigan yeah. State. And it was like, and oh, then after good, that, it cooking. was nothing. Nothing. See, I, I think we're it, it's weird that we're this far into the season and we're still this confused by this Purdue team. Yep. For good and yeah. bad, to be honest, because I still think we're capable of hitting that that last gear that most teams don't have. Yeah. And it's, right it's, now it's just trying to find anything on the court to still make you believe. Yeah, it's just a matter of putting it all together, which you know you would hope by this point in the season – You've put it all together, and you've at least seen flashes of it. But the only time I can think of that we've truly seen what this Purdue team is capable of is the second half of the Illinois game. And uh, we haven't really seen them look like that very often or at all throughout the rest of the season. So this this Wisconsin game, you know, it's, it's basically for those who care about winning the Big Ten title, and I know I care more than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is it. I mean, if Purdue loses this game at Wisconsin, no big 10 title for them, no matter what happens to anybody else. So, um, it, Purdue controls their own destiny in a way, you know, if they win this game against Wisconsin and then beat IU, they've got a share of a big 10 title. Um, if they lose this game at Wisconsin, a big 10 titles out the window. So there's a lot on the line for big 10 and seeding implications. So, uh, we're really looking forward to this game. It's going to be a tough one, but, um, if Purdue is going to show who they are and, and make an impact in March, this is the game that can really kind of start to build to March. Yeah, I've got I've got two basketball questions that are going to need to be answered this game, or I think will be uh, what really shows what happens. Zach Eady was tremendous the first time we played Wisconsin. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, when yeah. he was on the floor, he did that in 20 minutes. Right. Finished uh, 60% of the possessions when he was on the floor was a shot by him. Uh, Wisconsin guarded him one-on-one. They let him go to work, challenging their big man to try to stick up with him. Can they survive that again? Because Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall both fouled out. Chris mm-hmm. Volt fouled out. Three guys fouled out, and it still wasn't enough for Purdue to win. A lot because Edie around him didn't get the help on offense. But what are we going to do on defense? Wisconsin is not a team that has a bunch of guys that can beat you on the pick and roll. So it's all about Johnny Davis, the best player in the country with the ball in his hand, maybe. And how do we defend that? Do we drop our guys back and allow some of their bigs to shoot threes? I'm guessing we will because they're not we're, – we're more afraid – we think of big men for Wisconsin as more of shooters than their stats actually suggest. So do we drop down, make sure we have Johnny Davis corralled, don't get our big, big men in trouble because they're one-on-one in an island with Davis? 
So how do we defend that pick and roll that we've struggled with all year? Can we find some kind of solution to force Davis into those difficult mid-range shots, which he hit against us in Mackey, but is the one when he has bad games, it's because his stat line looks like it did against, uh, like it did against Rutgers when he went five of 16 from two. Well, let's he, hope he has one of those games. He will take those mid-range shots. He will take a lot of them and he'll take them from right in that tough little intermediate area. If you force him to do it, I think that's the only way we survive a Johnny Davis game is by trying to get him to beat us there again. All right. Well, there you have it. That's the plan. Hopefully painter listens or somebody yeah. sends this to him. So we know uh, that he gets the game plan. So there Look, we have, if it. I thought of it on this podcast. I'm for sure everyone at home. Yeah. Coach Painter and all his staff has already thought of this too. You know, but if not, feel free. If anybody oh, listening has his don't email use address, my name. I, I don't know. <laughs> feel free to send that to him. So uh, we're really looking forward to this game. It's got a big one, uh, big implications. Tuesday, as I said, 9 p.m. So for Casey and myself, hopefully on Wednesday, we're covering covering a victory and going into this IU game with a chance to uh, win the Big Ten title and lock up a two seed. But Going to be a tough, tough game up there in the Cole Center. So until then, folks, let's boiler up. Boiler up.